is what happened this time I'm sure that it's the last time I'm over going over it It's over once again What am I gonna do with me? I blew the opportunity By saying something asinine I've gotta watch this mouth of mine Good morning, and welcome to episode 558 of Effectively Wild, a daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of Grantland.com, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello. Hello. How are you? Great. So we've been neglecting the NLCS, I would say. I don't think that. No, I don't think that's true. I think that's true. I, I know. I think we've accorded the Royals the attention that they deserve, and we've enjoyed the Royals run as much as anyone, and there's lots to talk about, and the Giants and the Cardinals are teams that we've seen in seemingly every postseason for a while now. So I, I admit to being a bit more captivated by the Royals, but we will make up for that tonight. If there has been an oversight, we disagree on whether there has, but if there has, if we have not been fair and balanced in our coverage... Those are two different things. I don't think there's been an oversight, and I also don't think we've been balanced. The Royals are the most interesting team to talk about, mm-hmm. and uh, we talked about them more than any team along the way. Yeah. But I think we talked a lot about the Cardinals and the Giants. Yeah. Well, talk- tonight tonight we talk- will talk about them more than we have sure. been. I don't need to defend myself to you, Ben. <laughs> You're okay. half the show. That's You're true. Oh, I, I, take, I take half the responsibility. Oh, why I'm so upset. <laughs> so we have plenty to talk about about these two teams tonight. Cardinals fans wish that we wouldn't probably wish that we would just go straight to previewing the World Series, which we will do early next week. But for now, we have another great game to dissect and talk about. Uh, it was not, as it turned out, a one-run game. But for all intents and purposes, it was it was tied obviously until the end so this is now the i saw cliff corcoran note that this postseason is the first time in the wild card era that none of these six division series and championship series losers won more than one game in a given series so in that sense it has been very lopsided i think that the teams that were up in any given series i think they went 12 and 3 or maybe 13 and 3 mm-hmm so basically, they if you are up in the series, you have won 80% of the games. Yeah, and yet that doesn't bother me at all. It hasn't felt really ever like any outcome of a, a game is decided, except maybe for the Royals, just because it sort of seems inevitable and you have to keep telling yourself that it's not. But all of the games have been fantastic. Not all of them, almost all of them. And this was no exception. So we should... I suppose start by talking about Adam Wainwright since we have devoted attention to him this week and speculated about whether he has mechanical problems or whether he's hiding an injury or or not even hiding an injury, just openly having an injury. Um, What did you think about what you saw of Wainwright? Um, I thought that... um... So the, some of the Fox crew, or not not the Fox crew so much as Harold Reynolds, but maybe the maybe the whole crew. Uh, I thought some of their talk early on in the first four or five innings was a bit much. Right. Uh, they were acting as though, well, they they literally said, you know, the ace is back and and you know so on, mm-hmm. and it was like they said that I think after the 
I think it was the fourth inning, maybe it was the fifth, where he had basically put two guys on and then got out of it because of a line drive double play. Um, and the inning before that, he had allowed two runs. And so it wasn't as though he was dominant or anything like that. I wasn't charting pitches or anything. Um, it seemed to me that he was, um, he had a extremely good curveball mm-hmm. that uh, was as good as any, you know, curveball that you expect from Wainwright. And it was good enough that he could throw it over and over. And either the Giants couldn't sit on it, uh, or if they did, it didn't matter. Um, and uh, didn't look like he had full confidence in his fastball, and then somewhere along the way, he did have full confidence in his fastball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he was great his last few innings, and of course, this is the age-old debate about whether that matters, whether the manager should take into account how the pitcher looked in the last inning or the last few innings when he's deciding whether or not to take the guy out, and everyone on Twitter was... Not everyone. Every everyone of a certain mindset was calling for Matheny to remove Wainwright. Maybe two innings before he actually did, but certainly one inning before he did. Going into the heart of the order, third time through the lineup, and then what in the seventh he faced three lefties. There were three lefties due up, third mm-hmm. time through the order, and he left them in, and it worked out. And that was pretty smart because that left him randy choate for the ninth if he had had to, if he'd had to burn his loogie then choate wouldn't have been able to come in and shut down ishikawa that's right Matheny's always thinking ahead um yeah so we talked yesterday about how it seemed as if suddenly managers were taking the times to the order effect into account and removing guys as soon as they hit it that clearly was not the case tonight and maybe that is a matter of having your ace or not having your ace maybe it's it's easier to do when you have Jeremy Guthrie or Jason Vargas out there than when you have your horse or whatever word you want to use your bulldog I saw many animal words used to describe the pitchers tonight and Bumgarner went Let's eight see. and win right give, give me an animal give me an animal <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can find one uh I think Wainwright was really an aardvark tonight uh, Wainwright and elephant turns up nothing. If uh-huh. you were wondering, uh, I'm gonna say uh, bull. Wainwright and bull. Uh, I saw a bulldog. Not bull though. He's okay for for bull. Uh-huh. Uh Let's see. <laughs> I might have to. Yep, bulldog. A lot. Yeah, a bunch of bulldogs. Yeah, bulldogs and horses are cat. really. Cat. Try cat. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't think so. No. Mm. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> yes, so that was that seemed like a questionable decision to say the least to leave Wayne right in. And so, are we? Are you more confident that this is a mechanical issue, or that it was a mechanical issue then, based on tonight, or is this just inconclusive? Is the fact that Matheny left him out as long as he did does that tell you anything about Wainwright, or does that just tell you something about Matheny? Dude, I don't even know. I mean, <laughs> I have no idea with Wainwright right now. I mean, uh, I guess it makes me think it's more mechanical. Uh, I mean, look, the the fact that he's, I always try to avoid doing this because I have a I have a hypothesis. I think I've said it on this show before. The hypothesis is that um, that say a pitcher throws ninety two and he gets hurt. 
you would expect him to drop down to 90. But in fact, he manages to stay at 92. He just loses his, his mechanics. And so I have yeah. this this sort of hypothesis that what that you'll see pitchers uh, who uh, who kind of the career collapse will sometimes be that like say he throws 92 on average and then he should be throwing at 90 but for a season he just keeps throwing 92 but poorly and then the next year he drops to like 88 because it keeps getting worse and he finally gives up and so uh, really poor really poorly described (laughs) uh anyway so i i don't i i i don't think that keeping his velocity is proof of anything but Mm -hmm. um I mean, yeah, he he kept his velocity. Uh, he, I don't know. It's really, really hard to say. I guess. Uh, let me put it this way, Ben. I feel, I, I would feel more confident about Adam Wainwright in his next start than I obviously did about mm-hmm. him going into this start. I don't know. Uh, the quotes, his teammates' quotes before the game, had the exact opposite effect. It seemed like everybody on the Cardinals knew this thing that they just they, they weren't allowed to say it out loud but they knew and they were really giving it away um and uh so uh, there's there's so many competing pieces of evidence that it's really hard to say um i don't know that letting him go deep into the game means anything mm-hmm. i think that i think that if you're going to let him start if you're going to let him pitch the you know first then you probably will let him pitch the seventh uh, if if you think he's your best pitcher so mm-hmm. i don't I don't think that would really factor into Matheny's head when he either the, either the guy can go or he can't go. And if he's going, you're going to use him to win. That's why he's there. Mm-hmm. And Bumgarner was mostly great again. He gave up a home run to Matt Adams, another Matt Adams homer off a lefty. He gave up a home run to Tony Cruz. And Yadier Molina tried to talk his way into the lineup before this game. But fortunately, Matheny must have read... Zachary Levine's article about why that would be a bad idea. Didn't let him do it. Started Tony Cruz. Tony Cruz hit a home run and seemed to do some pretty good catching too. So But then got to hit but then got to hit again, surprisingly. Yeah, right. That, that was, was a very surprising one. That was one of the surprising things. <laughs> yeah. Uh and also right, and, and Wainwright hitting for himself before coming in for the seventh also seemed surprising. <laughs> Um, that didn't seem surprising. That didn't seem that surprising to me. Uh, knowing that they had a short bench, knowing that there were two outs and nobody on. I mean, with two outs and nobody on, you're ba- you know, it's barely worth pinch hitting. Yeah, and particularly because the Cardinals don't really have a good pinch hitter. I mean, they have Tavares, who would have been against a lefty, or exactly. they have Borges, and <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not pretty. So, uh, moving on. Where where should we go next, Michael Morse? Uh, so, who do, you, who do you think is a better hitter, Wayne Ryder or Tony Cruz? <laughs> um, is it Tony Cruz? But but it's not a huge gap, probably. Career two hundred two thirty two ninety for Wayne Wright. <laughs> uh-huh. Career two twenty two seventy three ten. So yeah, he's got twenty points of slugging and forty points of OBP, mm-hmm. and uh, and is in his physical prime. Yes. <laughs> so, right. So then Matheny leaves Wainwright in forever, seemingly contradictory to what the stats would say, as great as he had been pitching over the last few innings to that point. We know, or the research seems to suggest that that doesn't mean that much. So he leaves 
Wayne right in. That works out just fine. Then he brings Pat Neshek in, and you shouldn't could... have done it. Second guessing <laughs> it. Second guessing it to let to let Pat Neshek face a rusty right-handed pinch hitter in that situation is just. I mean, did you see the ball? How far it flew, Ben? <laughs> I got some I feel, to that I feel effect. Like Matheny's got to be held accountable for this. I received tweets about horses and bulldogs related to that decision not to lose or win or lose or live or die with your ace. Anyway, Matheny made seemingly a right move there. You could, I guess you could, you could quibble because right there were lefties coming up again. Although, I mean, I don't know whether Matheny anticipated the Michael Morse pinch hit appearance and maybe you don't want Choate against a right-handed power hitter or any right-handed hitter for that matter. But I was joking. Uh, well, you, right. I mean, whether whether or not Nishek was the optimal reliever choice for he that was. inning, he was for that batter at least for for Morse uh, Nishek versus Morse is a pretty favorable matchup for the Cardinals. Really can't criticize that. Can't expect anything to go wrong. It very much did go wrong. Michael Morse, who received a hitting tip from Barry Bonds before the game about getting his foot down in time or something or other, uh, hit a long home run. And so that's that's managing in the postseason. You leave your, your possibly diminished ace in forever against third time through the lineup lefties. That works out just fine. You get your righty specialist against the rusty righty. And the rusty righty hits a home run. So that's that's just what happens. Exciting moment, of course. Uh, but nothing you can really criticize anyone for. That's one where you can just sort of celebrate the home run. And is there where where do we go? Should we go to the the ninth where Bochi leaves uh, or or changes his closer, which is something that we talked about recently. How when you once you put your closer in. Generally, you stick with your closer until you win or you lose. And Bochi didn't do that. And I, I guess that is a good move, uh, or at least uh, Casilla didn't seem to have good command. There was that grounder that was deflected, and so that was going against him too. But he was also kind of wild and threw a 2-2 fastball way up and in, and then kind of a wild 3-2 breaking ball too. And didn't look great. And Bochi made the move for Jeremy Affelt, who faced the lefty and and got the out and took the ball <laughs> himself, running like all the way from the mound to first base, just sprinting to get the force play. Good move. Uh, to bring in Affelt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very good move. Great move. Uh, yeah. uh, one of the one of the really nice things about having um, a closer who hasn't been a closer a long time to have gone through three closers in a year as I imagine it makes it easier to do that. And, um, you know, you might almost rather have that, uh, than a guy who's slightly better, but way more established. Um, I would say that the move that I was yelling for in that situation, although it was that just probably too late in that situation, but um, I thought that Juan Perez should have been in left field and Travis Ishikawa should have been out of the game <laughs> right. at that point. I just didn't know why Ishikawa was still in the game in a situation yeah. that late. 
right? He missed the he misplayed the ball early, um, which reminded me that not all outfields are the Royals' outfield. It's kind of after focusing on the ALCS and covering the ALCS, I'm sort of surprised to see fly balls fall now or outfielders misplay fly balls. It looks strange. I forget that that's how baseball works for most teams. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the the decision to let Cruz hit. We sort of skipped over. Do you want to say anything about that? Uh, no. Okay. We, said, we didn't really skip over it. Yeah, we mentioned it. Um, anyway, but he walked. Right. Yes. That worked. Uh-huh. Uh, so, is there anything to talk about before we get to Waka? Let's talk about Waka. <laughs> okay. So, the elusive Michael oh, Waka. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. Uh-huh. I guess it, it didn't matter, but... Because uh, they didn't get there, but um, given the short bench, and you know, really, given how kind of weak the lineup is, did you think it was too aggressive for Matheny to uh, take out Matt Holiday, move the pitcher spot to the number three spot in the order, and then later to take out Matt Adams as a pinch runner? And yeah, I mean, it's still a tie game. I know you're playing to win i know that supposedly on the road you play for the win and at home you play for the tie or or whatever but i mean that was going to be a really weak lineup with not only that but a pitcher spot that you wouldn't be able to pinch hit for uh Mm -hmm. unless you burned uh aj brzezinski um at any point in the game yeah i i thought so that i mean Derek gould tweets that every time it happens it's not the first time that that it happens that Holiday gets removed and then the pitcher spot is batting third. That's kind of a Matheny move. And yes, it seemed seemed a little risky in this game in that situation. Um, okay. And then and then and then uh, I guess while we're at it uh, is Tavares again didn't we didn't play long enough for it to matter, but it's a tie game. Is Tavares against Affelt that much better? of a matchup than Borges, Borges against Casilla mm. that, well, actually Casilla was gone, right? So wait, did Tavares pinch hit against Affelt? Had Affelt been announced? Uh, must not have been. Couldn't have been. They must have been. Yeah, they announced Tavares first. But yeah. uh, you had you kind of figured Casilla might be coming out anyway. But even if he wasn't, is, is Borges against Casilla that much worse a matchup than Tavares against Affelt that you burn your last pinch hitter and take your, you know, best defensive outfield off the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Probably not. Probably not a huge gap there. Okay. So Waka. So Waka has been MIA all October. He has been this year's Shelby Miller. Everyone wondering where he was, why he wasn't pitching. Of course, the reasons maybe are sort of the same or, or sort of similar in that uh, Waka missed much of the season, didn't have a, a ton of time to build himself back up. And and with these missing pitchers in the postseason, I mean, it's if you criticize the team, it's it's kind of a strange thing to criticize because... The team wants to win. They want to use their best pitchers. So you have to assume that there is a reason for these pitchers not pitching because you would want Michael Waka. The Cardinals know what Michael Waka can do in a postseason. They saw it last year. It's not like it's just a flight of fancy or something or a whim. Mike Matheny decides not to use Michael Waka. There has to be some sort of reason. 
but because we never so, really so fed up, yeah, so fed up with Puig that they're benching Walker. <laughs> right, because we never get the reason. It's sort of frustrating. Like you have to speculate about what the reason is. We assume there must be something. It's, I mean, it's the same thing with Danny Duffy and the Royals, and we gather that there is something mechanically wrong there. And we talked to Doug Thorburn about it this week, and. And you figure that's the reason, but you also sort of wonder, well, maybe he could straighten out his mechanics or or it's it's a tough thing. But you have to think that there is a real reason or these teams would be using these good pitchers who are clearly good. It's not as if the Cardinals don't think Michael Waka is a good pitcher. They must have thought that he was not Michael Waka. And so... Waka had not pitched since September 26th. He had not pitched in any postseason situation. And there were situations where it seemed like Michael Waka would be a good fit. Even game four, the the night before, when Shelby Miller went three or whatever it was, you had a ton of innings to get through, and they did not use Waka for, for that. And a bunch of people asked Matheny why he wasn't using Waka, and there were comments from Zalak saying that he was getting to the point, pregame comments from Zalak saying that it was kind of getting to the point where it would be difficult to use Waka at all just because he had been out of action for so long and he'd been throwing strenuous bullpen sessions and everything, but having not been in a game for so long, he was, it seemed like, at the point where you would be afraid to use him in a high leverage situation with your season on the line. And yet that is exactly when he was used. That is the first time that we see Michael Waka in a 3-3 game in the bottom of the ninth where allowing a run means losing and losing the series and having your season be over. That's the time that Mike Matheny goes to Waka. And so... Let's talk about it in light of your research this week, which we kind of alluded to but didn't really go in-depth on. But your your research at Fox Sports this week about starters pitching in relief in the postseason, what did you find? Well, this was a different situation. This was about pitchers pitching on short rest in relief. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically on their throw day, if you, if you have to, you know, it was based on, you know, the Jordano Ventura thing that um, happened in the wild card game. Remember that? I do. <laughs> so long ago. That was uh, a semi-controversial decision compared to this, but yes, go ahead. So, so, um, uh, so I look to see whether uh, it seems obvious that your, since we know that starters, uh, when they go to relief, when they go to the bullpen, get better, almost, you know, very consistently, almost all of them get better when they go to the bullpen. And since we know that starters as pitchers are, you know, better pitchers basically than than most of the pitchers who are pitching really well in the bullpen, it, you know, you would think that if you have a good starter like Ventura or like Madison Bumgarner or like Michael Walker, that by putting him in the bullpen, uh, he should be really super good. He should be a relief ace. And um, I, that's not controversial. I think that, um, you know, we've seen it with some pitchers who've gone full time and, you know, we whenever, you know, Josh Beckett jogs in from the bullpen in a 2003 postseason or something like that, we all get super excited. Like it's a really exciting thing to have happen. So, uh, the, the problem is that we don't actually know how well they do on short rest. Um, and therefore it makes it one of those moves that is 
exciting and seems like it should work. But if it doesn't work, it has a ready-made narrative, which is, oh, he's not used to it, or he was pitching on short rest, or uh, it's just too unpredictable. And um, so it seemed like one of those moves which defies the um, you know simple, optimal strategy framework that some stat head conversations like to um, you know like to assume is there for most moves. And so I uh, just was curious to see what to expect if pitchers actually do get better, um, get the relief bump when they pitch in relief on their throw days. So I looked at every pitcher that had done so since 2000 in the postseason, and there's like 35 in those 15 years. There's been 35 times where a starting pitcher has started a game and then come back on zero, one, or two days rest to pitch in the bullpen. Um, and I looked at how they had all done uh, relative to how well they should have done using um, their Pagoda projections. Um, and I also looked at their velocity to see if they had gotten a big velocity uptick because while the performance of 35 pitchers in relief is not a particularly big sample and will give you a number that you won't have a lot of faith in, uh, velocity stabilizes awfully quickly and you would think that um, if they're getting the relief bump in velocity, that that would be something that you could trust. Uh, so I looked at that, and it turns out that starting pitchers who move to relief uh, for their throw day pitch almost exactly as well as you would expect a starter moving to the bullpen to pitch. Uh, they improve by almost exactly as much as you would, which is Tom Tango's famous rule of 17. Strikeout rate goes up by 17%. Uh, home run rate goes down by 17%. Walk rate stays flat and generally cut about a run off of their uh, ERA or their run average. Um, and that's about what we saw from the 35. Some of them were good, some of them were bad, but as a group, they outperformed their normal performance by about 20% strikeout rate and about 20% home run rate or a little more. And mm -hmm. their, walk rate, their walk rate was flat and their runs allowed were about one run less than their Pakoda projections as starters would have said. So it fits perfectly with what we know about the, the bullpen bump. It makes you think that um, there's nothing particularly about going on short rest in the postseason that is unpredictable or intimidating. However, one thing about that that was interesting and that um, clouds the conclusions a little bit is that um, their velocity bump was not as as much as you normally get from a starter going to a reliever. They only, on average, increase their velocity by about a half a mile an hour, which is less than you uh, expect normally. Some pitchers improved by two and a half miles an hour. Some actually lost velocity, which made me think that, in fact, this, is, this could be a very complicated uh, problem if you're a manager because you have to figure out whether you have the reliever who's going to gain velocity or lose velocity. They don't. This is not a normal occurrence. It's not a normal thing they're doing, and it does seem plausible that different pitchers are going to react different ways, and you can't necessarily just say, well, on average, they, they do this. You have to really know your pitchers and know how they look and know what it's going to be like. So anyway, I guess that's a long way of getting to Waka. The most compelling, to me, the fact that he hadn't pitched in a long time and was rusty or whatever, that to me it adds some excitement and some volatility to it, but it's not necessarily a reason not to go to him. 
I mean, you assume he's been throwing a lot. It's not like he hasn't picked up a baseball. It's not the same, of course, but he has, I'm sure, been throwing mm-hmm. and working and practicing. And guys come back from injuries, and you throw them into big situations all the time. Um, the fact that the Cardinals wouldn't use him when they could have very often used a reliever is extremely important information. Right. And makes you think, well, so clearly Waka is not. He just can't, he can't be an elite option. If he was an elite option, they would have gone to him unless they were specifically holding him for long relief of the sort that Petit yeah. and, and the, that Petit and Gossman and uh, Roark were being used, and that just that situation had never come up for the Cardinals, which maybe it hasn't. They didn't play an 18 inning game, I guess yesterday. What? Uh, how far? Yeah, how how yeah. did Miller go? Four, three and two thirds, something. Yeah, less than four. Um, and and Matheny did say something about how he kind of was that guy. Like that was, and this was, I don't know, yesterday, a couple days ago. He said that he was kind of the designated extra inning guy, which uh, fine. But how do you then go from that to this? That is the well maddening thing here. I, I guess if you're using him as your extra inning guy, then you might think that he's good enough to pitch in the eighth, but you have other eighth inning guys. And so you're, but you don't have other guys who can be the extra inning guy. He is sort of irreplaceable as the guy who could soak up five innings, right? Whereas, you know, if you're, he might be a little better than Seth Manus in the seventh or a little bit better than um, uh, Gonzalez in the sixth or whatever, but, you know, they can do that. And so he's your he's your insurance policy. He's the guy you break in an emergency. And you sort of know that at this point in game five of an NLCS that you're down in with a day off tomorrow, um, that it's time to kind of go, you know, you you break the rules. And so if I don't know, he, he might have thought that Waka was his second best reliever all series, but just not by so much that it mattered. And the, the bullpen was was worked really hard yesterday. I think that I I'm, I might be misremembering, but I think those guys all probably pitched on Tuesday too. And so yeah. I mean, Nisha could pitch. This was his third third day in a row, I guess. Yeah. So they've you know they pit, they ate a lot of innings yesterday. They're the third day in a row, and maybe now Waka starts to look a better in comparison. B uh, more like you have to kind of act desperately and see i mean like you said it's they know their their incentives to get this right are much higher than our incentives to get this right and they have a lot of information that we don't have so you have to assume that there's some internal logic to it probably and uh you know waka did come out and throw 97 miles an hour and so which is pretty exciting like that's an exciting thing yeah to have. 98, uh, I think he touched, but of course, day, but yeah, not with not with great command, not with great command which may or may not have been a result of the rust. It's hard to know. And the question is, how how quickly can you identify that? How quickly can you know that that's going to be a permanent feature of his appearance? Do you spot it in the bullpen? Maybe maybe it was maybe he had good command in the bullpen. Maybe I mean, you know, maybe he missed with two or three more pitches than we would expect a normal pitch pitcher to miss with in his 11 pitch outing <laughs> right i mean at what point do you go oh yeah he sure doesn't have it i mean maybe it's pitch three maybe a good scout notices it immediately maybe we all noticed it on pitch eight maybe waka was gonna get yanked in the next batter maybe he should have been yanked the previous batter it's really hard to say i mean the fact is 
the guy is better than every one of the pitchers uh, that could have relieved him. He's unpredictable, and so there is a disaster quotient that you have to factor into the math. And maybe it was dumb. Maybe it was really stupid to do that. I'm not, I'm not sure if it was really stupid or not. But clearly one of the scenarios of bringing in Waka is that a bad thing happens, just like one of the scenarios of bringing in Neshek is a bad thing happens. And the bad thing happened. Could they have foreseen it? Maybe. We, they know more than we do. Could they have foreseen it as it was happening? Or I guess that's not foreseen it, but could they have seen it while it was happening and gotten him out one batter earlier? Sure. Um, I think that's a, there's a pretty good case for that. I, I think that uh, at that point, you're probably looking at Andrew Susak as a pinch hitter against Choate instead of Ishikawa as a pinch hitter against Morse. And I mean, against Waka and not as a pinch hitter. Two things wrong there. Correction mm-hmm. segment. Um, so, I mean, I would rather have, uh, if I were, if I thought Waka was Waka, if I thought Waka was was in a good place, I would rather have Waka pitch to Ishikawa than have Choate pitch against Susak. I don't know if Susak would have batted. Duffy. It's probably Duffy. It would have been Duffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, I think the point remains, Ishikawa is not, you know, it's not like Ishikawa is a legit, awesome, big leaguer. Um, and, uh, where a single where a single wins it, Duffy's mm-hmm. probably just as dangerous. And, you know, Choate is much more prone to platoon splits. Much, much more prone to platoon splits. Yeah, you don't want Choate facing a righty really in any to. situation there. And, and there's right. definitely going to. You don't yes. see the thing is that you wouldn't if they wait. If if you get through Ishikawa, then you bring in Choate for Crawford because they ain't pinch hitting for Crawford. Crawford's facing Choate. But if you pinch, if you bring in Choate to face Ishikawa, there's no way Ishikawa hits that because you have Juan Perez on the bench. He's going to go in for defense. So then you pinch it with Duffy. Perez goes into left field, and you've got a righty on uh, lefty matchup with Choate on the mound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the other options, I mean, he could have started with Rosenthal in that inning, and maybe that is the the tie game on the road thing, or maybe he's not quite as confident in Trevor Rosenthal right now because Rosenthal has been worked kind of hard. He's looked a little shaky. His command hasn't been. (laughs) That's probably an understatement. He is still Trevor Rosenthal, and maybe we should look at the larger sample than the smaller recent sample. I don't know, but that's the the decision that you trust your manager to make, I suppose. Uh, He could have, I guess... Uh, you know, gone to Maness or something. Once, once guys got on, once you need a, yeah. a double play, you could bring in your double play guy. Um, or mm-hmm. right, you could have could have used Chuck at some brought, point he, there. Or, or, or yeah, or you could have just brought in Maness. He he could have identified that Waka was in my Ishikawa uh, Duffy math. Uh, Maness is also an option, right? He could have brought in Maness to face the lefty Ishikawa instead of having Chote face. Uh, Duffy, um, that would have also been an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it seemed like Matheny went into this game determined to use Waka, and I don't, I don't want to try to get inside his head too much, but he sort of just said that he was. I mean, he he had him up throughout the game uh, in in earlier spots, in earlier tight spots. What in the seventh or eighth, Waka was warming up. He said before the game that uh, he was available in a different fashion than he had been in previous games this postseason, 
which I guess supports the idea that he was a dedicated extra inning guy and that now in an elimination game he was not. I mean, that whole idea that you would have a designated extra inning guy who was actually your best one-inning reliever or second-best one-inning reliever and would hold him in reserve for the five-extra-inning game that rarely comes along, and I know it has come along a few times this postseason, but that seems like sort of a, not the best use of resources, I would say. to If if you think Michael Walker is your best reliever or second best reliever, I, I don't know if I would hold him in reserve for the 18-inning game that comes along once in a blue moon just because yeah. he's the guy who can do that. You want to try to avoid creating that game by preserving a lead or not losing a lead when you're ahead or tied. So I I don't know that I believe that that position, that that job description should exist, if even if you do have that guy. Yeah, I think I, I think I, I mean, I, I laid it out that way, but I think I agree with you. There's not, there does seem to be an internal logic problem with all of that. You would have to think that, I mean, a lot of, a lot of premises would have to be true. And the one thing that would make it more justifiable is if you said, well, it's not just the extra innings, but, you know, we're going to be really aggressive replacing a starting pitcher who, who's struggling early in the game and we're going to really want Walker to come in when they had the chance yesterday and they explicitly did not do that. So I agree that it's probably a, a bit generous uh, to assume all of those things are, are true. Um, I'm trying to. I'm looking at pitch counts right now, and I'm trying to decide whether he just simply felt that Manus and Martinez and Gonzalez uh, were all tired. Um, mm-hmm. they, they all pitched yesterday. Manus pitched through 26 pitches, uh, and so I'm going to see if I can quickly find the Tuesday. Tuesday, of course, is a 10 inning game. I assume a lot of people pitched in that game. Looking it up. So on Tuesday, Gonzalez pitched 14 pitches, minus six, and uh, Martinez actually didn't pitch, so Martinez would have been fresh. So I don't think, yeah, I think that's probably not quite, uh, Manus might have been, you might you might worry about Manus. Yeah, Manus didn't look great in his last outing, and who knows whether that's predictive or not, but he was leaving his sinker up a lot and getting getting hit, and maybe maybe he's <laughs> tired, maybe you want to stay away from him. And you have Gonzalez. I mean, Gonzalez—he uh, only pitched two days in a row, but he's not a uh, reliever, really. So you, maybe you worry about him coming three days in a row. Yeah, and it's—I I don't know. It's—I mean, when we talked about Jordana Ventura and that decision, we were probably more understanding than most, uh, or less quick to criticize than most, and maybe that's the case. With us and this decision too, there is another side to it, or at least there is a lack of other really appealing options in that situation. But I, I don't know. There's so much uncertainty, and it's not even really a thing we can analyze. Like we can't go back and look at the record of guys who were just sitting in the bullpen for three weeks and were never used. How did they do their first time back? Because it's, I mean, that doesn't happen very often. Or when it does happen, <laughs> it's not with Michael Waka. It's like with your mop-up guy who 
never pitch because he stinks. <laughs> and so we can't, it's not really a thing that you can analyze. Like we can say he's rusty. We can talk about the rust, but we can't really quantify the rust. Maybe some pitchers would have no rust. Maybe others would have a lot of rust. And they can't know whether Waka would be one or the other because he hasn't really been in this situation before. So it's not a thing that you can analyze. And I don't know whether that is an argument in favor of it not being a terrible move or it being a terrible move. Maybe if there are these many unknowns and you can't analyze and you can't count on what's going to happen, maybe that tells you not to risk it. I mean, what what's really the difference between i guess that maybe the difference is rust which again i i'm not a big believer and i'm not well i'm sometimes i am and sometimes i'm not but i'm not willing to just say rust and then say that that means that Matheny loses the argument um uh but what's the difference here between what Matheny did and what ned yost did going to danny duffy exactly once mm-hmm. i mean it's the same thing it's a different order he he didn't use him in the last game of those eight but only once Danny Duffy has been deemed an acceptable pitcher for the Royals, and that situation was incredibly high leverage. It was the tenth inning of a tie game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Duffy and, isn't even as good as Waka. And Duffy's not even as good as Waka. And Duffy is basically the same. Isn't he basically in the same role for the Royals? He's the right. long man. Yeah. And and he, you and I would probably agree that he's better than at least half of that bullpen, right? He's better than Fraser. He's better than, I mean, I'd rather, I would go with him over Finnegan, generally speaking. I don't know. Again, like we don't know the, we don't know this full situation. We don't know the mechanics. We don't know any of these things. But generally speaking, uh, just as I would say that Waka is probably better than the average Cardinals reliever, I would say that Duffy is probably better than the average uh, Royals reliever. So don't all of these questions, why is he on the roster? Why is he being held? Why isn't he being used? Why is he being used when he is? Aren't all these questions exactly as applicable to the to the Royals who don't sure. see <laughs> Everything has worked out for the Royals so far, but yes, sure. Yeah. Or you could talk about Tim Lincecum, who hasn't pitched once this postseason. And I don't know whether he should pitch this postseason, but the fact that they are carrying him and seem completely unwilling to use him ever is sort of strange. I don't know whether that is just in deference to his standing or his popularity or his past achievements or what, but they don't seem willing to use Lincecum either. Not that there has been a whole lot of mop-up man opportunities, and maybe that's why he hasn't been used, but they haven't used him in the 2012 way. And and maybe they shouldn't. Maybe he's a worse pitcher now than he was that year, even though he was pretty bad that year, too. Remember how the Mighty Mighty Boston's had it had a guy who would just dance? <laughs> nope. <laughs> they did. They had the guy, all he would do is, he like, during the show, he was a part of the band, and, like, they'd all be playing, and they'd have one guy on the stage, and he would just dance the whole time. <laughs> and that's Tim Lincecum? Lincecum. Uh-huh. That's Lincecum, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, and so after the game, Matheny... Ben Carr. His name is Ben Carr. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I didn't didn't expect that he would come up in this podcast. Uh, he'll probably Skank, be trending skanking, after this. That's our power. Skank, skanking was, quote, his full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You and I no longer have the most ridiculous job. 
So after the game, uh, Matheny, I don't know whether he regretted the decision or regretted the necessity for the decision. That wasn't clear. He he said, I realized that I put him in a real tough spot, just a tough spot for him to be in, not the spot we wanted him to be in. And of course, if you're the manager, you you can decide what spots you want to put people in. So uh, there's that. But maybe he just means that you don't really want to put anyone into that situation after not using him. But then again, you can say that you should have found a way to use him at some point so that he would be ready to be used in this sort of situation. Anyway, he uh, seemed to acknowledge that it was it was quite risky. At least, I guess you can say about Matheny that he is not managing with the media in mind that much is certainly true you don't make that decision if you are worried about being second guessed because that was i mean that was immediate instant first guess by everyone let alone second guess so that suggests that either Matheny really did believe that waka was his best chance to extend that game to to push it into extra innings or that he somehow got it into his head coming into the game that he was going to make up for not using Waka for all that time and would find a way to use him one way or another and was so locked into that mindset that he he used him then. I'm going to guess that that's not it. Uh-huh. It does seem so obvious that they should have figured out a way to get him into some sort of situation. And so yeah. th- these are the games that they played in the NLDS. 10-9-3-2-3-1-3-2. You got a moment in there? You got one in mind? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're right. That There hasn't been a time when you can just get some guy, get a guy some work. There has not been those moments in, in this postseason for really any team. So Maybe the, maybe the, like probably the eighth and the ninth of this, of game one against the Giants down three, nothing, probably mm-hmm. say that was mm-hmm. probably the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But of course, or, you have fully you have a fully rested bullpen, <laughs> right? I mean, you have a very rested Waka, so that was probably the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Waka said he felt fine. Uh, Randy Choate said he was available and he had warmed up a few times already. But Matheny figured that the Giants would pinch hit for Ishikawa, as you said, which is reasonable and that makes perfect sense. So, yeah, you're arguing imperfect options. You're arguing that they should have used Rosenthal, who maybe is tired and has looked bad. You're arguing that maybe they should have used Choate, who would have probably ended up facing a righty, which would have been far worse than Rusty Waka against Ishikawa. Uh-oh, Ben, uh-oh. Yeah? Matheny, when asked about not using Rosenthal in the ninth, oh, no. quote, quote, <laughs> We can't bring him in in a tie game situation. Oh. We're on the road. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Stop the podcast. <laughs> End it. Good run, Ben. Uh, all right. We well, we, we, our job is, is done. We're done. Didn't he know that we were out here <gasps> trying to defend him, trying to find the ways that that decision <laughs> made sense, and he repays us by coming out I hope, with the tie hope, game on the road? I hope that... Um, uh, I hope that he'll use the. I hope that uh, at the end of that answer, he'll use the catchphrase that me and my dad created for Matheny when he was the Giants catcher. I hope he'll look up at the reporters and say, 
do the math. <laughs> uh. So Ben, when I was, uh, I, I remember hearing uh, once about how during the Cold War, the U.S. had a bunch of uh, planes with like bombs, like, uh, I don't know, they were nuclear bombs or what. But they, they were, say there was a fleet of like uh, 24 of them, and 12 of them would fly straight at Russia from like a base in Germany or something. And then that right before they would get to the line where they would be in Russian airspace and it would, I guess, be, it would be war, uh, they would get a signal to come back and they would turn around. And as they were coming back, the other 12 would be flying toward Russia and until they got the signal just before to turn around. And by the time they turned around, the other ones had come. And so it was this no matter. So every minute of every day, as, as it was told to me, uh, the U.S. had planes that were deployed and ready in case we had to go to war immediately. We would have these 12 planes with bombs like right on Russia's doorstep, always right there. And that's what I think is 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 with Randy Choate. I think there are twelve <laughs> Randy Choates, and they're just constantly warming up in pairs of or in groups of like four. And when one gets tired of warming up, the other four get up. <laughs> yeah, round the clock rotation of Randy Choates. Exactly, they're still going during the off season. <laughs> oh, I'm so deflated. By this Matheny comment. We, we were making a strong case, and he just I mean, totally hung us out to dry right there. He, so we can't bring him in in a tie game situation is bad, because of the word can't. But but then to end that sentence, <laughs> and then as though needing to explain to everybody, with a second sentence, a second standalone sentence, we're on the road. <laughs> like, <laughs> that really seals it. That really nails it. That just shows you... The, the level of, um, of, uh, of, uh, of logic that goes, oh, look, at you've already tweeted this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm so deflated. I, I mean, that, I, don't, I don't know. If I were running a team and my manager made a comment like that, that would, I think that'd be it. I think that would be it. I don't care how great a leader of men he is. I don't care how great a motivator he is. I can find another good motivator. There must be multiple great motivators out there. I can find one who does not lose with the season on the line because of the book, because of roles that have been predetermined or silliness like can't use your tie closer in a tie game on the road. I mean, the the Matt Williams argument, the Mike Matheny argument, the the old pre-postseason Ned Yost argument. I think that's that's just like an instant dismissal, I think. I can find someone better, someone who will not let his managerial moves be dictated because of that and who can do all the other things that the manager does well. That's, uh, I, I just... You know, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I, uh, I, I like Bruce Bochy as a manager a lot, and... I, you know, it's it's sometimes it's hard to explain why. Um, even when you like a guy, a lot of times we we hate managers, and it can be sort of hard to explain why. But even when you like a guy, it's sort of hard to explain why. But but my favorite Bochi move of the year, and the, the move that I will always remember Bochi for forever and ever, is in a game. Um, I don't know, t- probably late August or so. He went to his closer in a tie game. He was on the road. And he, he went to Casilla, 
And that's not a big deal. I, I wouldn't remember it just for that. I mean, some managers do it occasionally. But uh, what happened next is why I will always love Bochi and why, why I will always remember this as the perfect example of Bochi. So he brings in Casilla. Casilla goes one, two, three. And then the next inning, because this is an extra inning game, he brings Casilla out again. Okay, Casilla again, one, two, three. And then the next inning, the next half inning, the Giants score like 13 runs. And so then, not 13, but I think four. And so then he brings in whoever, whatever, some scrub to finish it out. And as I recall, because he went to Casilla, he not only got to use his, you know, who he considers his best reliever in a very important spot, but he got to use him for two innings, which seems like the, the most obvious math in the world. You ought to be able to convince managers to do this just by going, dude, two innings. You get to use him for two innings. And so he, he got to use Casilla for two innings. And then by the time he, the so-called save situation, I think it was a three-run lead. So by the time the so-called save situation came up, it was like the leverage was down to nothing. And so Casilla had a win probability added in that game of, I think, like 0.26. And then the quote-unquote closer in the game, who most managers would have saved Casilla for that moment, had a win probability added of 0.01. And like that to me is just the entire argument in one game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, well, and uh, and we we can mention that that Travis Ishikawa is a really cool story. By the way, we don't we don't talk about uh, the human interest angle all that much because there's not much to say besides cool story that kind of encompasses everything about it. But Travis Ishikawa's Baseball reference transaction log over the last couple of years is interesting. Um, so July 7th, 2013, selected off waivers by the Yankees from the Orioles. July 13th, six days later, granted free agency. July 18th, five days later, signed as a free agent with the Chicago White Sox. November 5th, 2013, granted free agency. December 13th, signed as a free agent with the Pirates. April 23rd, 2014, granted free agency. April 25th, signed as a free agent with the Giants. He's been all over the place. Seemed like maybe his career was coming to an end. And that was a pretty incredible moment. He almost retired after the last one. Yeah. Yeah, he almost retired after the last one. Whether or not it was a Matheny-enabled moment, it was a pretty pretty awesome one. And Joe Buck showed the enthusiasm. He he got into the moment. So, So that's that. We tried. Matheny totally undercut us. He basically brought in Waka into our podcast right there. Uh, the, the decision to issue that quote <laughs> and kill our vibe was possibly worse than his pitching decisions in that game. Um, so that's that's that, I guess. That's the series. And it wasn't all Matheny, obviously. The, the Giants played well. The Cardinals, in some ways, played poorly, but uh, the managerial mismatch that we thought the ALCS was going to be between Buck Showalter and Ned Yost actually turned out to be the NLCS between Bruce Bochy and Mike Matheny, which maybe was also sort of predictable, but that one actually went the way we expected. So there, we talked for longer than the usual episode about the NLCS. So we've we made up for any oversight if there was any oversight, which half of us are not acknowledging. And that is it for this week. We will talk about what 
will probably be an exciting World Series if this postseason is any guide at all. On Monday and Tuesday, we'll probably have some good guests to talk about that. You can talk about baseball over the weekend at the very busy, effectively wild Facebook group now approaching 2,000 listeners at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. We didn't get to emails this week. It's That's also Mike Matheny's fault. We could have talked about some today uh, if there had been a less interesting game. But we will get to them. We are saving them. We are seeing them. Please send us more at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. Please rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. And please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference, by going to baseballreference.com, subscribing to the Play Index, and using the coupon code to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. There is a weekend without baseball. We hope that you find ways to entertain yourself until then. Thanks for listening. We will be back on Monday. I said the wrong thing.